kind of cool it down with the violence, which I think we can all take that as a fair lesson. Anyway, we after that we had Desmond Decker, It Make, Dennis Brown, Judge Not, and right before the track we're hearing now, Jackie Opo, Bushwood. Coming up next, Pandora's Lunchbox with Mike Perini. I invite you guys all to stay tuned. My name's Greg, and you guys are listening to Who Loves This? Uh, that's my show. You guys are listening to WCBN FM and Arbor. Take care. These three words define who we are. Duty. Friends and neighbors united for the common good, in service to others, and for the benefit of all. Honor. The deep-rooted faith that selfless dedication to a noble cause is right, just, and good. Country. A solemn vow volunteered to support our nation's people during desperate times. Mercy. In the midst of nature's wrath, hope when all seems lost, duty, honor, country. We are public radio, WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away oh, I said Hand off his box A box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe that means I have Half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture, perhaps for the very last time. And I think you know what I'm talking about. According to experts all around the world with no information on the subject, the ancient Mayan calendar predicts tomorrow, December 21st, 2012, will be the end of the world. I'm not really liking this cold I have right now. This is my seventh cold this fall, so I'd be happy to see the end of that. But in the meantime, after the end of the world, what will Christmas be like? I know that's exactly what you're thinking. What kind of music, when we're gone, what kind of Christmas music will we be listening to? And what does it all mean? I can't answer what does it all mean, but let's, uh, let's step into the future, shall we? After the end of time, a little Christmas music goes like this.
Wonderful, wonderful Joseph Spence. Santa Claus is coming to town. That's what he was saying. No, he was. And after the end of the world, perhaps Christmas music will be just like that. But we'll have to listen to some more Christmas music to figure it out just in case. You know, this is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. And there's a special event called Santarchy, which is an opportunity for people dressed like Santa to go bar hopping. And, you know, if it's the end of the world... um. That's probably what you want to do. Dress like Santa and go bar hopping. It's scheduled to be tomorrow. Sorry, no, no, no. Saturday, December 22nd. Assuming we have a Saturday, December 22nd. And there's a website, DetroitSantarchy.net, with bus pickup locations telling you where they will pick you up, including the Corner Brewery in Ypsilanti, the Blind Pig in Ann Arbor, the Emory Woodward Avenue Brewery in Ferndale. They've got locations in Livonia, Dearborn, Monroe, Canton, Plymouth, and Southgate. They will be coming for you if you're dressed like Santa and want to go bar hopping. It says here, keep it fun and respect your fellow Santas, even though even though they may appear inebriated and unintelligible. This is good advice. Now, supposing this event scheduled to happen Saturday doesn't happen because there is no Saturday, December 22nd. What kind of alcoholic information will you need if you are blasted into space? Well, I know, I know. So here's what I'm thinking. If the world comes to an end, we'll all get to meet the people who have gone before us, like, say, Douglas Adams. I'd like to see Douglas Adams again. He wrote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy, which has five books. 
I'd like to see him again. But in the meantime, he has some advice for us on what to do if you're blasted into space after the end of the world. And then he's got a little bit of uh, literature to read for us. Douglas? Here's what the Encyclopedia Galactica has to say about alcohol. It says that alcohol is a colorless, volatile liquid formed by the fermentation of sugars, and also notes its intoxicating effect on certain carbon-based life forms. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy also mentions alcohol. It says that the best drink in existence is the pan-galactic gargle blaster. It says that the effect of drinking a pan-galactic gargle blaster is like having your brain smashed up by a slice of lemon wrapped round a large gold brick. The guide also tells you on which planets the best pan-galactic gargle blasters are mixed, how much you can expect to pay for one, and what voluntary organisations exist to help you rehabilitate afterwards. The guide even tells you how you can mix one yourself. Take the juice from one bottle of that old jank spirit, it says. Pour into it one measure of water from the seas of Santraginus V. Oh, that Santraginian seawater, it says. Oh, those Santraginian fish. Allow three cubes of Arcturan Megagin to melt into the mixture. It must be properly iced or the benzene is lost. Allow four litres of Thalian marsh gas to bubble through it, in memory of all those happy hikers who have died of pleasure in the marshes of Thalia. Over the back of a silver spoon float a measure of Quallactin hypermint extract, redolent of all the heady odours of the dark Quallactin zones, subtle, sweet, and mystic. Drop in the tooth of an Algolian sun tiger, Watch it dissolve, spreading the fires of the Algolian suns deep into the heart of the drink. Sprinkle zamphor. Add an olive. Drink, but very carefully. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sells rather better than the Encyclopedia Galactica. Six pints of bitter, said Ford Prefect to the barman of the horse and groom, and quickly, please, the world's about to end. The barman of the horse and groom didn't deserve this sort of treatment. He was a dignified old man. He pushed his glasses up his nose and blinked at Ford Prefect. Ford ignored him and stared out of the window, so the barman looked instead at Arthur, who shrugged helplessly and said nothing. So the barman said, Oh, yes, sir, nice weather for it, and started pulling pints. He tried again. Going to watch the match this afternoon, then? Ford glanced round at him. No, no point, he said and looked back out of the window. "'What's well, that? A foregone conclusion, then, you reckon, sir?' said the barman. "'Arsenal without a chance?' "'No, no,' said Ford. "'It's just that the world's about to end.' "'Oh, yes, sir, so you said,' said the barman, looking over his glasses this time at Arthur. "'Lucky escape for Arsenal if it did.' Ford looked back at him, genuinely surprised. "'No, not really,' he said. He frowned. The barman breathed in heavily. There you are, sir, six pints, he said. Arthur smiled at him wanly and shrugged again. He turned and smiled wanly at the rest of the pub, just in case any of them had heard what was going on. None of them had, and none of them could understand what he was smiling at them for. A man sitting next to Ford at the bar looked at the two men, looked at the six pints, did a swift burst of mental arithmetic, arrived at an answer he liked, and grinned a stupid, hopeful grin at them. Get off, said Ford, they're ours, giving him a look that would have made an Algolian sun tiger get on with what it was doing. 
Ford slapped a ten-pound note on the bar. He said, keep the change. What, from a tenner? Thank you, sir. You've got ten minutes left to spend it. The barman decided simply to walk away for a bit. Ford, said Arthur, would you please tell me what the hell is going on? Drink up, said Ford. You've got three pints to get through. Three pints, said Arthur, at lunchtime? The man next to Ford grinned and nodded happily. Ford ignored him. He said, time is an illusion, lunchtime doubly so. Oh, very deep, said Arthur. You should send that into the Reader's Digest. They've got a page for people like you. Drink up. Why three pints all of a sudden? Muscle relaxant, you'll need it. Muscle relaxant? A muscle relaxant. Arthur stared into his beer. Did I do anything wrong today, he said. Why has the world always been like this, and I've been too wrapped up in myself to notice? All right, said Ford. I'll try to explain. Now, how long have we known each other? How long? Arthur thought. Uh, about five years, maybe six. Most of it seemed to make some kind of sense at the time. All right, said Ford. How would you react if I said that I'm not from Guildford after all, but from a small planet somewhere in the vicinity of Betelgeuse? Arthur shrugged in a so-so sort of way. I don't know, he said, taking a pull of beer. Why, do you think it's the sort of thing you're likely to say? Ford gave up. It really wasn't worth bothering at the moment, what with the world being about to end. He just said, drink up. He added, perfectly factually, the world's about to end. Arthur gave the rest of the pub another one smile. The rest of the pub frowned at him. A man waved at him to stop smiling at them and mind his own business. This must be Thursday, said Arthur to himself, sinking low over his beer. I never could get the hang of Thursdays. Startlingly, it is Thursday, the day before the end of the world, according to experts who know nothing about the subject. And that's what we're here to explore on Pandora's Lunchbox. It's quarter to seven. Arbor will help us to face the music in just a moment. Thank you, Douglas Adams, for joining us. And, you know, at the end of the world, we will see lots of people that we haven't seen before and will never see again. While we're seeing them, it's kind of hard to explain. But in the meantime, there is an Elvis Costello song that's somewhat underrated. In fact, I don't think even he likes it. He released it as a single from a soundtrack of a movie called Party Party. The song is called Party Party. It might as well be an end-of-the-world party, really, from the lyrics. We're going to drink enough tonight to drown the average army, don't you think? And it has... The following references, if you are playing food reference, bingo. I had, okay, Advoca and Tizer, which I'm going to have to look up for you to find out what those are in a second, unless you already know Advoca and Tizer. Good friends of mine. And Beer and Fertilizer. Uh, let's see, uh, you've got a face like last week's cornflakes. Yes, that's a food reference. And uh, Alka-Seltzer in your glass is roaring like a lion. Yeah, we got some good song lyric references here. So get your bingo cards ready. Get ready for the end of the world unless it doesn't happen. And here we go. Crack. He knows a girl with 
Party, 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 party. It's what you got to do when the world is coming to an end, according to experts who don't know what they're talking about. And that's what we're here about here on Pandora's Lunchbox. We're about not knowing what we're talking about. Is that what I meant to say? So in that song, we heard references to Advocat and Tizer, or Advocat, perhaps. Advocat is a traditional Dutch and Belgian rich and creamy liqueur made from eggs, sugar, and brandy. It's a smooth, custard-like flavor that it has, similar to eggnog. The typical alcohol content is generally somewhere between 14 and 20 percent. Mmm. And Tizer, what's Tizer? It's a red-colored soft drink sold in the United Kingdom. The name originally comes from the phrase, Tizer, Tizer the Appetizer. It was launched in 1924 by Fred Pickup. I love Fred Pickup, of Manchester, when it was known as Pickup's Appetizer. After the death of Pickup, it was owned by the Armour Trust before being sold to the Scottish drinks company AG Bar for £2.5 million in 1972. As in the case with Bar's other famous drink, Imbrew, famous, Tizer's exact recipe has not been made public. Most importantly, in 2007, they stopped using Ed the Head as a mascot. Well, that was heartbreaking for me. That was Elvis Costello and Party Party. The Daily Mail in the UK, by the way, has this information you may need to know. It talks about the only place that will survive the Mayan Akabakabakalopolis. <laughs> and will I survive that sentence? Residents of this French mountain town have cracked open end-of-the-world wine, and they're offering house rentals for $1,600 a night. The town, I believe, is pronounced Bougarak. 
population 176. It's been earmarked by doomsday cults as the only place in the world which is going to survive Armageddon. It's based on an interpretation of the Mayan calendar, which claims a planet is on a the, a planet is on a crash course with Earth and will impact on December 21st, 2012. According to prophecy, aliens will emerge from their spaceship garage in the town's Pic de Bugarac, I don't know if that's the pronunciation, aliens, sorry, in their mountain and pluck believers to safety, like chickens. No, I think just actually pluck them out of the mountain. Not going to take their feathers off. I don't know. Authentic Bugarac stones are on sale for 1.5 euros a gram, while a bottle of water from the local spring will cost an eye-watering 15 euro. One landowner is offering up his four-bedroom home for 1,200 pounds a night and can offer a camping space in his field for 324 pounds. Apocalypse pizza and end-of-the-world vintage wine also available. The wine is most likely delicious. Now, after the end of the world, we're also exploring the question, what will Christmas music be like? We won't really have many instruments left. We'll have to make do with what we have and just live with it, don't you think? Just kind of wing it with whatever's left lying around. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like jazz. Really, it's just like jazz. It's a rubber band Christmas. Says on the CD, trendy. And it will be after the end of the world. That was Rubber Bells, and I'm sorry. Now, before we go, for the last time, according to experts who don't know what they're talking about, let's talk a little bit about Mayan food, actually. Maya food, because the Maya culture has brought us amazing, wonderful food. Maya are alive and well and with us all over the world. And I don't think the world's going to end tomorrow. I don't think so. Some people think that tomorrow may begin a new cycle of life. Either way, National Geographic has talked about some foods of the Maya world that I'm very happy about. The Maya creation myth says people were made of masa or corn dough, and this remains an essential element of the indigenous Maya diet chocolate, of course. Cacao is endemic to the lands of the Maya, who were the first to take the seeds of the fruit and roast them to make hot chocolate. The ancient Maya, they t- 
took their chocolate as a ceremonial elixir and a savory mood enhancer. For the Maya, cacao was a sacred gift of the gods, and cacao beans were used as currency. Ek Chua, I hope I pronounced that correctly, the Mayan god, the Maya god of merchants and trade, was also the patron of the cacao crop. When the Spanish invaded Maya lands in the 1500s, they adopted the beverage, adding sugar and milk to make it sweet and creamy, as we are familiar with now. And avocados and guacamole. The avocado originating in southern Mexico and Guatemala is loved for its rich taste and creamy texture, and it was a treasured crop of the ancient Maya. Even today, a person from Antigua, Guatemala is called a panza verde, or green belly, because of the region's reliance on avocados in hard times. Don't expect to find lots of Haas avocados in the Mayan world. There are many other varieties, most of which are bigger than that. And in 1917, Wilson Popeno, a California Avocado Association explorer, and there are many avocado explorers from California we know, reported why Guatemalan avocados are the best. He said the flesh is of a deeper yellow color, smoother, more buttery texture, and richer flavor than any varieties yet known in the United States. So much to say, so much to learn. And there's also a dish I'd like to hope to pronounce called pokchuk. A distinctly Yucatecan dish dates to the days before refrigeration when meat was preserved with salt. Slow-cooked pork is combined with sour orange juice and vinegar to temper the saltiness of the meat. The orange juice refreshes the salted pork and gives it a tangy flavor. Sour orange is a variety of orange. The juice hasn't gone sour yet, says here, I believe. The dish is topped with onions, sautéed with coriander, and a bit of sugar. Also enjoyed long before the Spanish invasion, tamales are a staple of Maya holiday celebrations and festivals, and tamales are even depicted in ancient Maya glyphs and excavated artifacts. Things to learn, things to eat, fill yourself up, drink up, the world is about to end, you know, says so. uh, Douglas Adams said so just earlier, so now we know. This has generally been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've mostly been Mike for at least a 60 to 70% of the time. Arvifl is going to help us to face the music in just a moment. And slowly people are starting around us to go mad with the thoughts that the world may come to an end. Mad. They're going mad. What's that you say? For the love of God, make it stop. No more Laffy the Christmas Elf, really? The world will end if I keep playing this, you say? Well, okay. Let's go out with something even much ten hundred time million times better than that. Let's go out with Sugar Child Robinson from his album Go Boy Go. Sugar Child Robinson in his rendition of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, you got to get behind that. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. Tune in for Face the Music next. Keep on listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Enjoy everything. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Thunder and Blitzen. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it. 
sleigh tonight. Then howled the reindeer love him as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, who could on a history. Thanks, kid. As Jimmy Durante once said, we give everybody a chance. This is the real world of broadcasting, WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. 88.3 is the measurement. This is Face the Music. This is the seventh in an eight-week series of programs dedicated to the number two to celebrate the end of 2012 focusing on music published or recorded in years ending with the numeral two, focusing pretty heavily on 1922, 32, 42, and got some 52 in here somewhere, I believe. But also dipping back to, uh, I have some records actually made in 1912 tonight, and songs that were published in 1902. But let's start in 1942. This is a command performance broadcast recording. So it's, uh, it was done for the Armed Forces personnel. I believe this is Mr. Lee, uh, Lead, Mead Lux Lewis. And he's working on something by one of his heroes in the Chicago woogie tradition, Jimmy Yancey. This is the Yancey special. Let's face the music. Thank you. 